You're listening to the Judicial Watch Weekly Update with Tom Fitton. Speaking of suppression, as I've often noted, we're in the middle of the Great Suppression, which is the suppression of speech by big tech, uh, which is controlled by the left, uh, in collusion with their leftist allies in the media, the so-called fact fact check organizations, which are really just left-wing censorship groups, and most dangerously, the government. And the Biden administration has been public in its embrace and of uh, the idea that citizens who say things they don't like uh, should be censored by big tech. Uh, not only on election issues, but on public health issues and debates about COVID and policies and such, and pretty much anything else that they think uh, they don't want them talking about. Uh, And you see that even with um, the suppression of uh, parents, for instance, uh, who are speaking out against uh, what schools are teaching their children. You have the Garland operation uh, suggesting that they're terrorists for raising issues like that. Uh, so there's this great suppression targeting our First Amendment protected speech. And one of the victims is Judicial Watch. Another one of the victims is me because I work at Judicial Watch and um, I'm often online uh, for Judicial Watch presenting information like in videos like this one. And just before the 2020 election, YouTube deleted a video, uh, a weekly update video excerpt that we had put out there about election integrity issues. And we subsequently found out they did it at the request of the California Secretary of State's office. So you know what we just did? We sued the California Secretary of State's office for their violation of our civil rights through that outrageous censorship. Here's the release. Judicial Watch sues California Secretary of State for causing YouTube to censor key election integrity video just before the 2020 election. We got these, we figured it out because our intrepid lawyers and and investigators uh, extracted documents from the Secretary of State's office documenting this massive program that was done in league with the then Biden campaign's PR operation to target American citizens who were saying, quote, the wrong thing on elections, leading leading to outrageous censorship. Talk about election interference, that's election interference. So we filed the lawsuit, when did we file it? I guess we filed it last week. So we announced it this week. And um, it's an historic lawsuit, let's be clear. Because here we have, we're suing a government entity directly over their collusion with big tech, specifically Google slash YouTube. And I hope YouTube is paying attention to this video because we got some questions for you as well, you can be sure. I'm going to read you um, a significant section of the, of the lawsuit uh, because I think it's important you know about the illicit activity that uh, taxpayer offic- taxpayer-paid officials were taking to violate the civil rights of Judicial Watch. And as I've noted before, when our rights are violated, when we're censored, it means you're censored because you're being denied access to information you want to be able to see, right? And of course, Judicial Watch, you know, it's not just me. We've got dozens of people on staff. We've hundreds of thousands of supporters. So this is a mass attack on the civil liberties of Americans. 
This is the statement of facts. So just to be clear, we're suing the Office of Secretary of State. The Secretary of State in California is Shirley Weber, so we're suing her in, her, in official capacity. So we're not suing her personally, we're suing her as an official of the government. And there's an office in the Secretary of State, uh, which is called, this is what I love, the Office of Election Cybersecurity. It looks like more, look to be more concerned about targeting First Amendment rights than protecting the security of elections, as I'll disclose here. And this is how we describe it. It is not the role of the state to police the opinion of citizens. Yet the Secretary of State's office did just that when she monitored Judicial Watch's YouTube channel, purportedly assessed the contents of a video we posted on the channel as being, quote, misleading, unquote, and caused the video to be removed from YouTube's video sharing and social media platform. Plaintiff has maintained a YouTube channel, Plaintiff is Judicial Watch, so when I say Plaintiff, I'm referencing Judicial Watch, since May 16, 2006. That's a long time, how many years is that? Almost 20 years now, right? Among plaintiff's other social media presences, plaintiff's YouTube channel is an important means of communicating with its followers and supporters and disseminating information to the public in furtherance of the organization's public education mission. We've posted over 4,200 videos. I'm actually disappointed. I think we should have more videos than that. And as of the date of this complaint, we've garnered nearly 94 million views, and our channel has more than 502,000 subscribers. So we gotta get those views up. So if you're watching, help us get it up to 100 million so when we can update the lawsuit and add 100 million. On September 22nd, 2020, uh, we posted on our YouTube channel a video entitled Election Integrity Crisis, Dirty Voter Rolls, Ballot Harvesting, and Mail-In Voting Risk! Exclamation point. It was a great video and I encourage you to watch it. You won't be able to watch it on YouTube though. The 26-minute video featured uh, Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton discussing vote-by-mail processes, changes to states' election procedures, ballot collection, sometimes referenced uh, to as ballot harvesting, and states' failures to clean up their voter rolls, among other topics. Uh, Mr. Fitton's comments were informed by successful lawsuits brought by Judicial Watch against Los Angeles County and the defendant, the Secretary of State's Office of California in 2017, to compel the county and state to comply with the National Voter Registration Act's voter list maintenance requirements. And also, we had another lawsuit against Governor Gavin Newsom, uh, Gavin Newsom and uh, maybe we should call him Newsman. That's probably a better name, right? and the defendant, again, the Secretary of State's office, in 2020, challenging the governor's attempt to unilaterally change the state's 2020 election procedures to an all-vote-by-mail system. The former resulted in a consent decree that compelled defendant in Los Angeles County to implement several new practices and procedures to clean up state and county voter registration rolls. The latter, the lawsuit against Newsom, compelled the state of California to comply with the elections clause Article 1, Section 4, and the Elector's Clause, Article 2, Section 1 of the Constitution, to change its 2020 voting procedures to an all-vote-by-mail system. Um, 
And in that case, we got a big fee award, so they had to pay some of our legal fees. And that California case, as I recall, against Newsom was, I think they are going to mail a ballot to everybody, whether they were active or inactive registrants. And we sued, and they backed off and said, okay, we'll only mail to people who are actually living here, which is essentially what a, an active voter is versus an inactive voter. The views that Mr. Fitton shared in the September 22nd, 2020 video uh, were supported not just by Judicial Watch's own substantial experience advancing election integrity and success, successful litigation against the defendant, but also by nonpartisan and bipartisan studies and reports and numerous other sources. The comments were neither false nor misleading, nor was there any evidence that Mr. Fitton's comments, quote, may suppress voter participation or cause confusion and disruption of the orderly and secure administration of elections, unquote. So what I was doing, if I recall from that video, I haven't, I don't think I've looked at it recently, is I, I was probably talking about the case where Los Angeles County is going to was committing to clean up up to 1.6 million rolls from their uh, names from their voting rolls, which strongly suggested the voting rolls were dirty. General concerns about vote by mail in terms of the security of that and the potential for fraud that is almost impossible to detect because people aren't voting in person. You know the typical discussions around election controversies and election integrity measures. But we were told on September 25th, 2020, uh, that YouTube uh, removed Judicial Watch's video. And the video hadn't been, hasn't been available since that date. So we subsequently lear learned through a California Public Records Act request that the Secretary of State's office had purposely assessed plaintiff's video to be misleading and caused the video to be removed from YouTube's sharing platform. Specifically, on or about September 22nd, uh, the Secretary of State's office listed our video on its misinformation tracking sheet or misinformation tracker. So under the column linked um, entitled screenshot slash text slash linked, uh, they, uh, they attached a link to our video and it looks like they're quoting uh, our video. Uh, the, the states are taking reasonable steps to clean up the roles that led in part to a settlement with Los Angeles County, as I already told you. Then I talk about how in Michigan, the court changed the rules to allow them to count ballots 14 days after the election and mandating ballot harvesting. And what is ballot harvesting? It basically means anybody can take anyone's ballot and bring it to the polling place. Again, more opportunity. And I guess that gets cut off. Under the column entitled misinformation, this is what they called misinformation. Ballot collection harvesting voter rolls. Head of conservative group Judicial Watch hosts video alleging Democrats benefit from incorrect voter rolls and ballot collection. Had 2,300, uh, excuse me, 2,398 views as of 407-922. So here we have a government official tracking what uh, Judicial Watch is saying, tracking what I'm saying, maybe I, maybe I should have sued too. Am I a defendant here? I should be. They're figuring out how many people are watching the video, and they're concerned that I'm criticizing it looks like Democrats. And I don't know if I criticized Democrats in the video. I probably didn't. Under the column entitled Indicator, 
OEC wrote ballot collection. Under the column in, entitled Social Media Action Taken, OEC wrote video was removed from YouTube. So OEC is the Office, again, of Election Cybersecurity in the California Secretary of State's office. So there you have the confirmation that our video was removed as it relates to OEC's tracking for, it looks like, partisan purposes, this video. Again, under the column entitled Result, OEC wrote removed. Now then we got emails showing how it worked. So on September 24th, the uh, Secretary of State Social Media Coordinator emailed um, an email address at Google and copied four YouTube employees with the subject line, Report Video, Election Integrity Crisis. Again, the title of our video. In the email, they wrote, Hi, YouTube reporting team. I'm reporting the following video because it misleads community members about elections or other, or other civic processes and misrepresents the safety and security of mail-in ballots. Thank you for your time and attention on this matter. All the best, Akila. That's the name of the, the government official who got us censored, in part. And then they responded, like almost immediately, it looks like, the next day. Hi, Akila. Thanks for reaching out. We will look into this and get back to you as soon as we can. Later that same day, we noticed the video was taken down. And then two days later, YouTube confirmed to the government that our video had been removed. Hi, Akila. Circling, circling back on this. Thank you for raising this concern to our attention. This has been removed from the platform for violating our policies. Please do not hesitate to reach out if there are any other questions or concerns you have. On information and belief, that government agency did not make a finding that our video may suppress voter participation or cause confusion and disruption of the orderly and secure administration of elections, which is what the California law that allows this agency to operate, this specific sub-agency to operate, um, you know, directs them to uh, be concerned about. Nor would any such finding have been warranted or otherwise supported by evidence. So they really didn't make any finding, and and obviously we weren't doing anything wrong, so there was no negative finding to make. That's what that paragraph means. This is very interesting. Notably, the censored video is a portion of a longer video posted by Judicial Watch on our YouTube channel that addressed issues in addition to election integrity. The longer video, which this government secretary state's office in California uh, did not bring to YouTube's attention, remains available on the channel. So draw your own conclusions from that. By assessing our video to be misleading and causing the video to be removed from YouTube, uh, the government injured our public education mission. When plaintiff's video was removed, it had only 5,531 views. It had only 5,531 views. OEC's actions prevented us from reaching tens of thousands of viewers with our message. So we go on and talk about this, and we also highlight in the lawsuit that the um, uh, we were concerned that they were monitoring our social media directly, 
And it looks like they were using a partisan public affairs and consulting firm called SKDK Knickerbocker. SKDK is kind of what it's known as. And during that time period, that firm uh, regularly sent jo Dresser, Jones, and other officials, and Dresser and Jones are, uh, are individuals in the California Secretary of State's office, misinformation daily briefings. Now that firm specialized in working for Democratic Party politicians and employed notable figures like former Obama White House Communications Director Anita Dunn, who's now working in the Biden White House, and Hillary Rosen. In September 2020, the firm was advising the Biden campaign. So here you have California Secretary of State officials targeting and monitoring and spying on Judicial Watch calling attention to YouTube to get our video taken down. And who are they working with to get all that done? Who are they relying on to do this social monitoring of not only Judicial Watch, but others? Other innocent Americans? The Biden campaign firm. So you've got a campaign colluding with a government official, it looks to me. And of course, YouTube is happily working with them to censor material in a way that um, it looks to me is designed to benefit the left. So we have uh, alleged violations of um, the civil rights laws, um, 42 USC 1983, which is a core civil rights law, a violation of the first and 14th amendment, and also a violation of the free speech clause of the California constitution. So this is a big lawsuit we filed, and I took the time to go through the specifics with you in a hopefully unconfusing way uh, to highlight that um, we're not just making an outlandish allegation. Oh, we got censored. The government must have been involved. Let's sue someone. No, we got censored, and we tried to figure out what went on. We saw a news story, because there were news reports about this censorship campaign out of the California Secretary of State's office, so we asked questions about it. Lo and behold, we show up in these documents. Lo and behold, we find out our YouTube video was taken down just before the election. Remember, the election was in November 2020. Our, our video was taken down, what, six weeks beforehand, six, seven weeks beforehand? You may recall there was a lot of debate about vote by mail and what it would happen. And we were participating in that debate as a leading group on elections. We're national election law experts. We know what we're talking about. We litigate the issue successfully and repeatedly. I testified to Congress in 2020, I think not once but twice. My colleagues another four or five times. And they're censoring us. So I don't know what's going to happen with the lawsuit. I hope we win, obviously. But now we get uh, to pursue this issue. And uh, the California Secretary of State's office in the lease is going to be held accountable. You can bet we're going to have questions for YouTube and Google. And obviously, we're looking at what else is going on in this great suppression. I was just talking to a reporter today, Just the News had a big story about how the Department of Homeland Security were, was colluding with these private groups, again, to target specific Twitter and social media accounts who, thought, who from these leftists thought were peddling, quote, misinformation. Now, misinformation is information they don't like, just to be clear. 
and I was number five on the list, on this hit list. There was another entity that was putting out more, um, another hit list just recently. I was number three. So I'm, I'm actually getting better. That, the first one was I was number five, now I'm number three. Who knows, maybe I'll be number one. I'm the number one target for the left on social media. The left is an enemy of the truth. They're an enemy of truth telling. They are the enemy of critics of the state. They're an enemy of critics of uh, efforts to undermine election integrity. They're, the left is an enemy of the First Amendment, of free speech, your right to petition your government without retaliation. I mean, we sued this California Secretary of State's office and they suppressed our speech in talking about the suit. So this is a major issue. It's broader than even California. The, as I said earlier, the Biden administration's into this major censorship, this great suppression. And we are investigating that, trying to figure out what's going on there. Uh, but again, Judicial Watch just doesn't talk. We act. And in this case, the action is a major civil rights lawsuit against California's Secretary of State over its effort successfully to cause YouTube to remove a video of Judicial Watches featuring me highlighting and educating Americans about election security issues. First up, though, is the uh, developments out of Florida in the case concerning uh, uh, Joe Biden's political raid on Trump's home. I mean political in the sense that it had no lawful basis, in my view. As I've described to you before, uh, the president of the United States, when he's president, has the ability to uh, denote records uh, as presidential records versus personal records. And that means he can also, uh, and separately, declassify any records he once and the prior Justice Department position had been in a, and we know this for a fact because Judicial Watch was involved in the case it was a case over tapes in Clinton's sock drawer that he kept that concerned um, uh, recordings of his talking to foreign leaders and other sensitive topics that were presumably classified. And the we thought maybe, hey, doesn't the PRA cover that? And the Justice Department said, nope, if he takes them with him when he's out of uh, after the presidency, they're presum presumably personal. So why did they change the rules for Trump? So when you hear noise that these records are classified in government records, uh, the Justice Department is being dishonest. They're being dishonest with the American people, and in my view, the courts. And the courts, I believe, know something's up. And indeed, Judge Cannon in Florida, who has been handling uh, President Trump's request for a special master and other relief, uh, seems to be suspicious of the Justice Department. And the Justice Department lost hugely earlier this week when the judge issued this ruling granting President Trump's request for a special master. Now, of course, the left is outraged that a judge, let alone a judge appointed by President Trump, made this ruling uh, because the left doesn't believe the president has civil rights. The left doesn't believe the president should get the time of day from the courts uh, because they hate Trump and they don't believe all the protections available to any other citizen and particularly to any other president should be available to President Trump. Well, the court begged to differ, and the court, I think, exposed the corruption of the Justice Department, albeit in a nice way. Uh, I've got the decision here, actually. 
And uh, for instance, uh, according to the privilege re review team's report, now supposedly the Justice Department had a privilege review team look at documents before uh, the investigators at the FBI were able to look at them. Uh, the seized materials from President Trump's home included medical documents, correspondence related to taxes, and accounting information. So the Justice Department is telling the court that Trump has no interest, property interest, in these documents, and the court's saying, what are you talking about here? The government has also acknowledged that it sees some personal effects without evidentiary value, and by its own estimation, upwards of 500 pages of materially potentially subject to attorney-client privilege. So, and the court also explained in her ruling uh, that the Justice Department confessed to her that some attorney-client protected material did make it through the filter team and was seen or made available to people who shouldn't have seen it. And so what the judge wants is a special master to reassure the American people that justice is being fairly administered. And he, she defends the court, the president, you know, that she highlights the consequences to the president, President Trump, if this, uh, if these records that they really have no right to are misused. He faces potential harm by way of improper disclosure of sensitive information to the public. Further, plaintiff is at risk of suffering injury from the government's retention and potential use of privileged materials in the courts in a process that so far has been closed off to the plaintiff and that has raised at least some concerns as to its efficacy, meaning the process that the Justice Department has instituted uh, that has no outsider making sure they're doing the right thing vis-a-vis President Trump. So the government has made the made the argument, the Biden administration, that the president, uh, President Trump, had no interest, no possessory interest. The technical term, I think, is in these documents that were either classified or government records and such. And the and the court said, no, 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 no. Here, I mean, there's an issue about what these documents are and who they belong to. So your conclusion doesn't necessarily mean uh, that that's the end all and be all here. And of course, you know, in none of these proceedings, as as the government admitted that there is this other court ruling in the Judicial Watch Clinton sock drawer case uh, in which they took a completely different position with respect to presidential records, where the court, uh, in, in a decision that the Justice Department and archives wanted, said the archives has no business demanding any records, can't second guess the president's determinations. I mean, how does that fit in with what they're doing here? And uh, the court also found that there is potential executive privilege the president can assert here. And uh, so there has to be a special master who can look at this. And the court enjoined the Justice Department from using any of these documents in its investigation. Now, the Justice Department's outraged at that because it means their whole sham attack and uh, uh, continued abuse of Trump has to stop for now, in part, at least in the, in the way uh, in terms of any official investigation. And this is what the judge found at the end. 
the court is mindful that restraints on criminal prosecutions are disfavored, but finds that this these unprecedented circumstances call for a brief pause to for a neutral third-party reviewer to ensure a just process with adequate safeguards. So uh, the judge shut it down, and both the Justice Department and uh, President Trump and his team have to propose uh, uh, ideas for special masters and how they're going to operate. Uh, it should be coming. They should be filing it any minute now. Uh, I've been half jokingly said of uh, saying that uh, uh, Judicial Watch should be the special master. You can probably trust Judicial Watch as much as anyone uh, to look at this material fairly. But in many ways, a special master uh, under under the Justice Department's initial theory of how presidential records are supposed to be handled uh, really doesn't have much to do other than to make sure that uh, all the records that they took are turned back to Trump. Because as I said, all those records are President Trump's personal records under their theory of the law and under the Presidential Records Act. Uh, so that to me is kind of where the rubber ultimately ought to meet the road, whether the president's team makes that aggressive argument or not, and I don't think it's aggressive, I think it's just asserting the facts and the laws the Justice Department has previously uh, told the courts. Um, I don't know whether that's going to happen or not, whether those issues are going to be joined. But uh, it, there has to be a reckoning for this raid on the president's home uh, that resulted in the retention of documents they had no right to by their own admission. Uh, and sur sure enough, in the filing that they've made, threatening the court, saying, um, you need to stay your ruling because we want to still look at these records, uh, they tell the court that unless, no matter how, basically how the court rules, they're going to appeal by September 15th. So without even having read how they handle her, how she handles their motion to stay, they're going to appeal, which is the height of arrogance. And similarly, the day after, by the way, the court complained about uh, essentially the, the, the leaks and the appearance of bias in this process and how Americans need to be reassured by the appointment of a special master. Uh, the, pre the Justice Department leaks out to the Washington Post a document uh, from the raid. So this is the arrogance, and uh, they show contempt for the court, whether it's technically legally contempt of court, that's another matter, but this is contempt for the court, contempt for the rule of law. You see it in this filing they made where they're essentially telling the judge, we don't care how you're gonna rule, how well considered it is, we're just gonna appeal it, which is in my view inappropriate. And secondly, uh, they admit and they confess that there are personal documents they're going to return to President Trump. So again, none of this is voluntary. Remember, when Judicial Watch fought for successfully to get access to the warrant and to the affidavit, which was redacted, but we got a lot of information out of it. Remember, the Justice Department, the Biden Justice Department, wanted not one word to come out but we beat them. And in this case, President Trump beat the Justice Department. So you've had two courts on this sensitive matter basically tell the Justice Department, uh, we, we don't buy your legal arguments and we don't trust you to do right by President Trump. 
And of course, the media won't talk about it that way, but Judicial Watch will. So uh, you've got the Justice Department coming in, though, just even after they get slapped back by the judge, telling the judge, we don't care what you think, we're going to appeal it. Of course, they have a right to appeal, but you don't tell a judge, it doesn't matter how you're going to rule, we're going to appeal. I mean, that doesn't, that's, that's inappropriate and shows contempt, as I say, for the, uh, the prerogatives of the court. And then secondly, they confess they have to turn documents back over to President Trump. And then they say, well, we didn't read your ruling to stop us from leaking this garbage to um, the House and the Senate, the supposed congressional authorities over, over, uh, with um, oversight over intelligence. You know who that means? Adam Schiff. So the court says you can't use these documents, and then they go and tell the court, well, by the way, that doesn't mean we can't give it to Congress. Talk about contempt for the rule of law. So this is what this is about, and it further confirms that this was a political operation. They went in to the president's home to find dirt, to leak to the media, and to leak to their friends in Congress in the days before an election. And hopefully get an indictment out of it either of people close to Trump or Trump directly. All of this tied in again to President Biden's uh, red speech and his vicious attacks on all, any American who dares uh, support anyone other than him and his policies. I mean, you combine that with the raid on Trump's home and this abuse of power, you see Steve Bannon now being targeted by uh, New York Democrat politicians perp walked in front of the media like it's, it, it's, it's not even third world. It's worse than that. In banana republics, they don't pretend to be anything other than they are. Here they pretend to be other something, something more significant, that, that we follow the rule of law. In a banana republic, people say, well, obviously we know what's going on. Here we have the media and the president's echo chamber online and elsewhere in the establishment pretending that all this 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 activity is legitimate they're lying to the courts they're abusing authority as i say it they're abusing the use of force when the fbi raids a home their ability to do that is you you get out of our way otherwise you'll be arrested or worse I mean, they use force. That's the reality of it. Now, does it mean that anyone was forcibly moved? No, but that's, they rely on their ability to use force to enter someone's home to, quote, execute a warrant. And it was for political purposes. It wasn't for legitimate law enforcement purposes. And they're still lying, in my view, to the courts about it all. So we'll see what's going to happen. You know, and the irony is, I think, you know, I think it's an interesting question legally, isn't it? Whether a president can take documents with him, anything he chooses, practically speaking, when he leaves the White House, whether that and whether or not that necessarily becomes personal. I mean, we thought it was an interesting question. That's why we sued over what Bill Clinton had done. And we were told, nope, you're wrong, Judicial Watch. But what we don't like 
It's not an issue of transparency. It's, an equ it's a question of whether the law is going to be fairly administered. There's this little phrase in the 14th Amendment called equal protection of the law. The President Trump is not being given equal protection of the law. He's being targeted in violation of Justice Department positions, in violation of court decisions related to presidential records. And I would refer you back, if I could repeat myself, but I think it bears repeating because no one else is talking about it, to the corrupt Attorney General Garland who said, you know, typically we try to do something short of a, a, search, a search warrant. Well, so that admits that this was an atypical activity. Typically, and this is a big deal, we typically try to have a narrow search. And the mirror of that is, this was a fishing expedition. It wasn't a narrow search as the Fourth Amendment requires. The president is a crime victim. His civil rights are being abused six ways to Sunday by this Justice Department and FBI. It's been going on since at least 2015. And it shows no sign of stopping. And there are people who are happy to see it, and frankly, there are Republicans who are happy to see it because of policy differences and personality differences with Trump. And my view is, and Judicial Watch's view is, this is a rule of law question. If we're going to abuse people because you don't like their politics or policies by using the powers entrusted to officials by the American people, boy, all bets are off when it comes to our Republican former government. And as we, say, as we see with Bannon, it's being expanded. It's being expanded to uh, uh, abuse other individuals. Bannon's being abused. Uh, those who dare to question the 2020 elections are being abused by not only the January 6th Rump Committee, but by the Justice Department. Now they're investigating Trump's fundraising. So you've got essentially the political party of Joe Biden run basically acting through the Justice Department and investigating the fundraising of their opponents, the Republican political party. In this case, specifically uh, Trump's, Trump's um, individual PAC. Outrageous based on this idea that, you know, he said he was going to do, do work against, uh, for clean elections, but raising money that, for clean elections. They wanted to know whether he kept his promises. Uh, who are they kidding? It's completely a politicized investigation. So things are getting worse. So the Justice Department is likely going to appeal. We don't know what's going to happen with the special master. I don't think Judicial Watch is going to get appointed a special master. So the battle will continue, and Judicial Watch is going to be in the forefront. We already have one lawsuit. We filed successfully uh, a request for information to, to get this material unsealed, and you can bet more lawsuits are coming. Judicial Watch, uh, you know, we, we're just not stopping, and we just sued uh, the Secret Service uh, to uncover the alleged Secret Service intervention to help him evade um, some embarrassment, perhaps some legal liability, concerning the disposal of a gun 
Hunter owned. So we asked for these documents back in, I think, March of last year. So we give them forever to respond. And uh, the Secret Service refused to give us documents about this, uh, this big scandal. And it is a scandal. Uh, Hunter uh, supposedly had a gun and it got tossed into a dumpster by, uh, I guess, his then girlfriend. And the Secret Service, it looks like, went to intervene to try to get records about the gun purchase and you basically get them offline, more or less. So we asked, for question, we asked questions about that, and they refused to give us anything. We filed the lawsuit um, against DHS for records or communications about the reported purchase, possession, and disposal of a firearm owned by Hunter Biden found in a Delaware dumpster circa October 2018. And uh, as I said, the, the allegation is that uh, there was an intervention for Hunter by the Secret Service. And this is, um, I think, the woman who took the gun and put it in a dumpster was Hunter's dead brother's widow. And I think they had a relationship. So, you know, it was just kind of terribly, terribly, you know, um, unusual all around, to put it charitably. In uh, uh, last year, Politico reported Haley, who is the widow of Bo, took Hunter's gun and threw it in a trash can behind a grocery store, only to return later to find it gone. Delaware police began investigating, concerned that the trash can was across from a high school and that the missing gun could be used in a crime. According to law, law enforcement officials and a copy of the police report obtained by Politico. But a curious thing happened at the time. Secret Service agents approached the owner of the store where Hunter brought bought the gun and asked to take the paperwork involving the sale, according to two people, one of whom has first-hand knowledge of the episode and the other was briefed by a Secret Service agent after the fact. Now, just so you know, the Secret Service doesn't have jurisdiction over guns or laws related to the guns. That's the ATF. It's typically, it could be a state issue in the case of Delaware. But here you have the Secret Service, according to this report, intervene. Now, what's interesting is they could have come back to us and said, oh, look, uh, we looked, Judicial Watch, we couldn't find any documents. We'd be suspicious of that, but that would suggest, oh, this isn't true, right? Nope. Instead, they've essentially ignored our request, which is why we're suing in federal court. So here we have a federal court lawsuit against a law enforcement agency who refuses to obey federal law on transparency. And, and it's not coincidental that the lack of transparency concerns Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, who's been caught up in so many scandals, I wouldn't have enough time this, in this entire day to tell you all about them. And as I note, the Secret Service and the Biden administration are in cover-up mode for Hunter Biden. Whether it's his laptop, his business practices and travel, or these documents related to the careless disposal of a gun at a dumpster near high school, this administration continues to put up unlawful roadblocks to any effort to investigate the activities, the activities of the Biden family, particularly Hunter. 
Now we've already uncovered through FOIA, and this is during the, um, I guess our, law, our, our lawsuits and work began during the Trump administration on this. So we've already covered, uncovered significant information that uh, Hunter uh, was a problem for the Obama administration, for example, uh, with respect to his work in Ukraine, and I use the phrase work loosely, the scheme. You had uh, Obama officials complaining about how Russia was making fun of and trolling Joe Biden on Ukraine corruption issues because he was coming to Ukraine just before, uh, uh, just at the end of the Obama administration, he went to Ukraine again on, to, quote, deal with corruption issues. And Russian uh, state-linked media started making fun of him as it relates to Hunter and Burisma. And they said they're trolling him. And the State Department official in the Obama administration said Burisma is the gift that keeps on giving. He said sarcastically and obviously with some frustration. So we've already uncovered documents, but we haven't stopped with the documents we've already uncovered. I encourage you to go to our website to look at all the documents we've uncovered about Hunter Biden and how uh, he uh, was involved in an influence operation, his company, Burisma, and how it's been tied to Hillary Clinton's people, all sorts of great information. And on top of that, uh, the State Department, though, continues to withhold information about Hunter Biden. We asked for, uh, quite directly, give us records about Hunter Biden. You know, if they're showing up in the files of the State Department, and these are top, these are important files. We're not saying, you know, uh, we want a press clipping, but we want to know what the communications were uh, among the diplomatic corps about Hunter Biden. And we've been getting the hand to the face. So we sued. We also sued again the Secret Service prior to this over uh, his travel. Where, where has he been traveling? We had uncovered previously that Hunter Biden had been on, uh, he had visited, uh, I think, 29 countries with Secret Service protection. He had five trips, or there were 29 trips, foreign trips, uh, five trips of which were to China. One trip was to, China, uh, to Russia, and that was before he started keeping Secret Service protection. Now, since his father's been president, he obviously has had Secret Service protection, which, to be clear, is entirely appropriate. <laughs> the president and his immediate family should get Secret Service protection. Uh, but the American people have a right to information about what that protection costs and where it's being uh, given. And that's what they don't want to give to us. So why are they covering up for Hunter? Why? Because we're going to find out where he might have been and where he's been during his uh, father's term as president. So there's a major scandal going on in addition to kind of these underlying issues we were concerned about, the Barisma dealings, his dealings with China, etc. You've got a cover-up of all of that happening right now. It's a cover-up. Now, I don't believe the cover-up is usually worse than the crime, but the cover-up can be a crime. Because usually people don't cover up something that isn't a crime. <laughs> so uh, in this case, though, uh, uh, we've got the Biden administration at the State Department and the Secret Service refusing to follow FOIA law to protect Hunter Biden. So we have law breaking to protect the Biden family from information coming out 
about the scandals that Americans are concerned about. And it's up to Judicial Watch, and Judicial Watch isn't just uh, complaining about it. We're in federal court trying to break through the stone wall, trying to smash the stone walls that the Biden administration is placing uh, to keep this information com from coming out about corruption issues tie uh, that are tied directly to the president of the United States. First up, though, is uh, Election Day, or is it Election Week, or is it Election, it looks like, months? As you know, I've been I've been highlighting the uh, uh, the effort to undermine our election system by expanding the notion of election day to election weeks, election months, and we're seeing this in. Uh, outrageous fashion in my view in Arizona and in Nevada where there are at least three major races maybe four if you count the governorship of Nevada I'm not sure where that stands and two of those races uh, could essentially tell us who's going to be running the United States Senate, Republicans or Democrats. The Senate in Arizona, the Senate seat in uh, Nevada, uh, they don't know who won or they are counting the ballots in such a way that it may take weeks, if not months, before uh, we're told who is the winner. Now, I don't probably need to convince you that's outrageous. Uh, counting ballots after elections, despite what the media tells you, despite what the big tech censors tell you, is inappropriate. It's not normal in the sense that it should be encouraged. And it invites fraud and undermines confidence that voters have a right to have in uh, elections. So when you're counting ballots after election day, it raises questions inherently. And the media would like you to believe, uh, don't, you know, ignore what you see, ignore the man behind the curtain in terms of election integrity, which is uh, the endless counting of ballots in a way that, you know, I, I, I think that honest Democrats or at least voters uh, don't like this notion of uh, elections going on for weeks. But, you know, this is this is the reality of uh, the left's restructuring of our election systems with the media's help uh, trying to program us uh, to accept uh, the decimation of election integrity. And in Maricopa County, Arizona, uh, we've been investigating this as well, uh, it was further undermined by the failure of, uh, it's, it's kind of a bipartisan problem in, in Arizona because the state is the uh, uh, the state official, Katie Hobbs, the Secretary of State who's running now for governor, uh, her office is responsible for, for machinery, and uh, Maricopa County, obviously, generally, the elections administered by the Republican-controlled uh, government there. And according to at least one lawsuit that was filed, upwards of 30-35% of election uh, tabulators and printers were not working. So what happened there is that uh, voters were trying to uh, have their votes counted uh, while they waited. You know, essentially, it will be run through the machine, it tabulates your vote, and then you leave. Uh, but the machine wasn't reading, or many machines, or too many machines, however we want to characterize it, uh, weren't reading the ballots 
were, I don't know, maybe they were reading it, but either way, they were getting rejected. And so voters were being told, well, you can wait online and wait for them to fix it, or you can uh, essentially drop it in the box, um, supposedly a secure box, and it would be voted, uh, counted later, uh, at least hand counted. Well, I don't even know how they'd be counted later whether they be hand counted or uh, tabulated in a different machine. Or you could take your ballot, I guess, tear it up and go vote somewhere else. So it sounds confusing, doesn't it? It sounds something that you might not like to go through if you're just trying to vote. It sounds like something that makes you think, I don't know if my vote's going to be counted. It sounds confusing in the sense that I don't know what to do. Maybe I just won't vote. It sounds confusing in the sense that uh, these directions are difficult to convey generally, and are they being conveyed directly or correctly by the numerous myriad uh, election officials who uh, were stuck having to explain why why their machines why the machines weren't working? And indeed, as a, as I um, report to you here, my understanding is those ballots that were unable to be tabulated online excuse me, uh, on site, uh, are st- and, but were left behind by voters thinking they'd be counted later that day, still haven't been counted. So you've had this systemic f- breakdown of on-site voter tabulation that was planned in Maricopa County. And Maricopa County, for those of you outside of Arizona, uh, is... The biggest county in Arizona, it's where most of the people live. It's, it's kind of like the, uh, I don't know, the New York City of New York. It's, it's basically where everyone lives. And uh, with all due respect to the wonderful residents of Arizona who live outside Maricopa County. And uh, so this is not a, a small matter. So no one knows when these votes are going to be counted. And then on top of that, you have in Nevada, Clark County accepts ballots mailed as long as they're, quote, postmarked on or before November 8th up until Saturday of Election Week. So we don't know when those ballots are going to be counted. Last I saw, the official said, we expect unofficial results next week, next Thursday. When are the official results? Who knows? So the idea that we uh, have these key races in, you know, Arizona is one of the most important states in the union, uh, certainly when it comes to elections. And we don't know who, who's, who's winning one way or another or who's going to win because the numbers change depending on what batches are arbitrarily released in a way that undermines confidence in the elections. So I want to repeat again, this is what our goal should be. Our goal should be to encourage people to vote in person on election day. We should not have mass mail-in balloting. We should not have early voting that goes on for weeks and weeks beforehand. And we should demand that systems are in place to ensure that ballots are counted on election day, not for days and weeks and months afterwards. And of course, anyone who votes should be required to show a secure uh, photo ID. And certainly anyone who's registered to vote and or who votes should also be uh, confirmed to be a United States citizen. 
What's so hard about this? You know what's so hard about it? That policy, those basic election integrity measures are opposed by the left. Why do I think they oppose it? Because it, it makes it harder to steal elections. And they want to be able to steal elections when possible. There's no other reasonable explanation. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily impact individuals who are voting it by race or any other classes. So there's no, nothing discriminatory in these regulations. They pretend they are, but there aren't. You can see that in Georgia where you've had this uh, tremendous turnout, irrespective of the increased security measures for voting down there. So uh, as long as uh, we have mass mail-in ballots, it's, we're going to have um, elections that people won't have confidence in. And if conservatives um, are, are, want to kind of be able to compete, forget about the, um, you know, the issue of the law and election integrity, you, you want people to vote and to feel like their votes are going to count. And if they think their votes aren't going to count, they're not going to participate. And I tell you, the best way to ensure that people don't participate is to have this mass mail-in balloting, uh, and because uh, conservatives don't trust it, and uh, you know the evidence is if if elections are more secure, people of both political parties are more likely to participate. Minorities are more likely to participate. Uh, so the failure to address this uh, mail-in ballot. Um, the increase in the use of mail-in balloting, the mass mail-in balloting, uh, undermines election integrity. And as uh, in the case of Arizona, it wasn't even the mail-in balloting. It was just a lack of either incompetence or I don't know if it was corruption. Certainly, we're going to be asking questions. But this casual approach to counting ballots and being told is perfectly normal. You know, I'm not, it isn't normal. It isn't normal. And anyone who tells you it's normal is promoting a partisan left-wing talking point. People want to know who won the election on election day or election night, not three weeks later. Because any adult looking at that recognizes that as an opportunity for fraud and it undermines the confidence people have, underlines confidence people have in the results. Thanks for listening to the Judicial Watch Weekly Update with Tom Fitton. For more information, visit www.judicialwatch.org because no one is above the law.